Hello from the members of First United Methodist Church in Royce City. Thank you for listening to this podcast. We hope you find it meaningful and relevant. You're invited to join us for worship anytime, and you can learn more about our worship options, location, and small group opportunities by visiting our website, fumcroycecity.org. May God bless you as you listen to His Word proclaimed. All right, all right. Good to to be with you this morning, to worship God with you. Indeed, we do thank God for Jesus, um, to celebrate the things God is uh, doing for you in the life of your church, the promises you stand on, the promises you, you claim. Amen, somebody. Uh, I have uh, been um, in some relationship with the um, Royal City Church for 15 years. I uh, first got to know you back in 2002 when I first uh, came on the district and was your superintendent for about four years, then went to Pastor Custer Road and then came back on the uh, district in 2013. I've gotten to know many of saints and of this church and some who have uh, gone on to be a part of the church triumphant and, and to live with God. As, as I drove here this morning and, and for the years have watched all of the development uh, taking place uh, in this part of the county, I thought how awesome it is to be a uh, be a part of the Church of Jesus Christ. When you see people uh, moving and developing, taking place, and you have the awesome responsibility uh, to present them the gospel of Jesus Christ. Um, I, I, I envy those who are in the church. I envy the pastors. I, I've, I've been a United Methodist minister uh, for 30 nine years, 37 years, I don't know whether to count seminary or not, and uh, preached for, uh, pastor for 30 of those years, and uh, whereas I appreciate my job now as an administrator and a supervisor, uh, it is nothing as thrilling and rewarding as being a pastor of a church where you can uh, move and inspire, collaborate with the people of God to advance the kingdom of God. Uh, by presenting the gospel. So I, I thank you for what you've done. Pastor Chris, I thank you for your presence here, for the leadership you're going to offer, not only this church, but this community for years to come. Uh, let us pray. God, we thank you for the gift of this day, uh, for the gift of your word revealed to us in flesh in your son, Jesus Christ, for the gift of your word uh, uh, revealed to us in uh, the Holy Writ. Uh, we pray your blessings upon our worship today. We pray your blessings upon the preaching of your word, not for fame, not for reputation, but that someone might believe and do likewise. Uh, this is our prayer. We pray in the strong, perfect name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to read a very familiar passage of scripture to us. It comes from the Matthew's Gospel, the 16th chapter. And I shall read for our hearing verses 13 through 16. You're very familiar with the passage of Scripture. I don't know if they'll be up on the other, on the screen or not. But listen now for the word of God. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do people say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? 
Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Borjana, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom in heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This is the word of God. If, if I had to give a tag, a title uh, to the words that I, I read for you this morning, I, I would title it Super Size Fate. Super Size Fate. Every now and then in life, in our journey with God, God gives us one of those epic moments in life. Moments in life that towers over all other moments in life. Every now and then God all gives us through life one of those epic moments where we make an epic decision. A decision that transforms, that, that transcends all other decisions we've made in life. These epic moments where we come to a defining moment in our existence and we make a decision, uh, we turn a certain way. And it becomes a, a defining moment, a moment, an epic moment that towers over all of the other moments we've had in life. In it, all the other decisions. And not only are they epic in that they're big, but they're God-inspired. They are God-given. They are God in nature. And these epic moments are also transforming. They transform our lives. They transform our thinking. They transform our families. They transform our neighborhoods. They transform our churches, our community. Yea, even they can transform an entire nation. When we're presented with such a moment where we have, we make one of these epic decisions that will change the course of life. I remember one of the first I had, uh, my family had, was when I was in the fifth grade, my, my, my grandmother, uh, who would rear me from then on, lived by herself. And my mother had uh, uh, eight siblings, and they decided that one of the grandchildren ought to live with their grandmother so that she would not be alone. I was in the fifth grade there. Now when I lived with my parents, we were considered CME. Now CME is a denomination, which means, which is the Christian Methodist Episcopal Church. But in our house, it meant that we went to church on Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. We were, <laughs> we were CMEs. But when I went to live with my grandmother, my grandmother went to worship God every Sunday. We went to worship when nobody else went. It didn't matter what the, what the weather was like. I went to Sunday school every morning. I went to Methodist every Sunday morning. I went to Methodist Youth Fellowship every Sunday afternoon. And it was going to worship, going to Sunday school, uh, going to Methodist Youth Fellowship, that something began to turn in my heart. Now, 
there began to be an inspiration that came from God. I confessed God, but it was there God began to work with me for when God would ultimately call me to ministry. It was an epic moment, epic decision that transformed the course of my life, that transformed uh, what my life would shape like. I remember another, you've had these moments where you've had to make a decision that changed your life. I remember one other one was 1972. I was getting ready to, 1972, doesn't that sound like a long time away? Uh-huh, we were in a youth class, everyone, 1972. But I was getting ready to graduate from college. It was March of 1972. You're all, and I'm trying to figure out what in the world am I going to do with my life at 22 years of age? Well, actually, almost 22 years of age. And, and I decided I was, I didn't know what to do. I decided I was going to go in the army. And I felt like I was smart enough that I'll blow the exam away and I'll go to officer's candidate school. I figured out my life. I, I, I had the year I was going to become a general. Uh-huh. And, and sure enough, I took the exam and blew it out the water. And I remember the recruiter said, you scored high enough, you're eligible to go to officer's candidate school. Y'all, I'm excited. And then I took their physical exam. They pulled me out of the line and said, you have a heart murmur. You're ineligible for the military. I haven't had heart murmur since. Stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me, stay with me. I not, didn't know what to do. Well, I decided then, well, I think I'll be a Dallas police officer. And I, I dreamed in my mind how I was just going to go through the ranks. And so I took the exam. I blew it out the water. I took the sociological exam. They said I, I was all right. And then it came time for the physical. I took the physical. I passed the physical almost 1972, y'all. You had to weigh 145 pounds to be a Dallas policeman. I weighed 142 pounds in 1972. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I talked to my pastor, the, doc, the late Dr. Abby Lyle, and I remember saying, boy, I believe God is calling you to the ministry. And the moment he said it, I understood. I understood the confusion. I understood all that I was going through, that God had placed a calling on my life. And I made a decision to say yes to God. And it was one of those epic moments, epic decisions that transformed my life and transformed the course of my life. God gives us these moments, these decisions, these times in life that, that shapes us, that shapes our families, that shapes our community. Yea, even they can shape our nation. Yea, even shape the world. I mean, many of you have probably had those moments in life. And sometimes when we're on the journey and, and we know God has called us, God has endowed us, God has blessed us, God has placed his spirit in us. Sometimes we can get lost and confused on the journey. Sometimes our vision can get distorted. Uh, I remember I found the John Wesley, who who was one of the one of the most pious persons that I've ever read about. John Wesley, as you know, started the Holy Club. They would get out here in his group of, of followers would get up every morning at four o'clock and pray. And John had gone through all of his education and he decided he would come to America and convert the Native Americans to Christianity. And when he came here and saw others faith that towered over his faith. 
faith and with all of his education, with all of his praying, John Wesley had this moment of despair, this moment of discouragement. And he wondered, who's going to convert me? He began to question his preaching. He began to question his faith in Jesus Christ. One of his friends, Peter Bola, a Moravian, said, John, just preach Christ, preach Christ, preach Christ until you believe it. And it was one, one day, May 24, 1785, <clears throat> when John Wesley would uh, go to a prayer meeting, a Bible study on Aldersgate. And at 845, he read from the Epistle of Roman and he felt something burning in his heart. And he said, my heart God felt strangely warm. He knew God was real. He knew Christ gave, had given him faith. He knew that he could preach the gospel. <clears throat> and in his preaching, they would transform all of England and the world. <clears throat> it was an epic moment in John Wesley's life. An epic decision where he knew God was real. We have those times. We have those times when we question our faith. Okay, I'm the only one like that. <clears throat> We, can, we have those moments in life where we wonder where God is. Okay, I'm the only one. You know what I wish sometimes? Sometimes I wish God would do preachers and, and Christians like, like football coaches. You know, uh, football coaches, they get a red flag. And, and when, uh, when there's a play, an official rule and, uh, on the play, and the coach doesn't like it, he throws a red flag. You know, sometimes when things happen in life that we don't understand, come on, somebody, that knocks us over, turns us for a flip. I wish I had a red flag and say, come over, God. Are you sure? Did you see what I saw? Are we on the same page? Am I the only one like that? Not only John Wesley, but preachers, members of the church, uh, we have these moments. Well, we need to draw closer to God, where God needs to reveal himself a little more. I said all of that just to get to the text. Now I only have about five minutes for the sermon. <clears throat> to understand uh, Matthew 16, 13 through 19, it's really better to understand also the 15th chapter. Because in the 15th chapter, Jesus performed a number of miracles in front of the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and his disciples. It's in the 15th chapter where they brought all those who were lame, all those who were maimed, all those who were mute to him. And the text tells us in the 15th chapter of Matthew's gospel that he healed them. And the people heard the mute talking, they saw the lame walking, they saw the lame, the lame made whole, and the lame walking again. They followed him for three days, and after three days, he decided the people needed something to eat. He had them to sit down. And the disciples said they didn't have any food, but they had uh, 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 seven loaves and a few fish. And out of that, they fed 4,000 men, not including the women and the children. Then we get to the, the 16th chapter. They're following Jesus not because they want a relationship with him, not because they want deeper communion with God, not because they want spiritual power of their lives, but Jesus said, you're following me because you saw how the people ate when they were hungry. You remember the miracles. And so rather than having this relationship with God and, and getting closer to God, they wanted God for what they could get from God. Mm, okay, I'm, I know you're all not like that, but I, I know some folks' faith and their trust and their confidence in God is almost based upon what God can do for them. Now, Jesus, after, after understanding that, said to his disciples, well, who do they say I am? They don't want a better relationship. They don't want greater intimacy with me. They don't want communion with God. Who are they saying I am? 
And, 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 and Peter's standing up for the 12, said, where they say, well, you're Elijah, John the Baptist, uh, Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. And he looked at them again and said, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. All the time they had been with him. And Jesus said, uh, Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed this from you. You didn't get this from Perkins School of Theology, Gammon Seminary, any other, any other school. But by flesh and blood hasn't revealed it to you. But my father who is in heaven, by your piety, by your prayer life, you understand you've gotten close enough to me that you can see what nobody else can see. You know, I, I, I wonder sometimes if we look at so much from God and the world that sometimes we can get blinded just like the disciples. We can get some busy sometimes. We can get distracted from the real thing. Come on, somebody. Uh, when I, I get a, a, an, a digital email uh, uh, several times a week, it's a, it's a newspaper. It's about all that's what's happening in United Methodism. Now, you know, the Methodist church is the only church I've ever known, probably the only church I would ever know. And oftentimes, when I read this digest, I get disappointed. I read about all that we're doing across the world. I, I, I read about all of the issues we're getting involved in, all of the social stance we're taking. And every time I read this digital digest, I look for something where someone is developing a relationship with God through Jesus Christ's son. I look for something that will go beyond just feeding people or taking up a call, but, but that is cementing one's relationship with God. And every time I read it, I think that we are in trouble as a church, not because of some discussion of sexuality, but because we're not working on our relationship with God. I'm going to go on and preach to myself all by myself. <clears throat> so Jesus asked his disciples, who do they say I am? Peter got close enough that he could see the Christ in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can get so busy that we get distracted and we miss out on the main thing. Even the disciples of old, Jesus went to the house of Martha, Mary, and Lazarus one day, and they were so excited that the master had come, they decided that they would fix him a meal. Uh, Martha decided, and while Martha was preparing the meal, you know the story, and Mary sat at his feet, uh, at his feet and washed his feet with her hair, and Martha got all bent out of shape and said, Jesus, I have so much to do. Why don't you make Mary help me? And he said, Martha, Martha, you are worried about so many things. Only one thing is needed. Needful, and Mary has chosen that thing. You know what I was trying to say about that digest? Sometimes we get busy with so much, we get distracted from our real relationship with Jesus Christ. And not only us as a church, sometimes it happens to me. I know it doesn't happen to you. <clears throat> I get up most mornings at five o'clock and have prayer with God. Sometimes it's late and I get up at seven o'clock and I decide, well, I'm going to watch Good Morning America this morning and I'll pray after that. And then when Good Morning America go off, I decide, well, I'm going to watch Good Morning Texas. I know you're thinking, when does he go to work? <laughs> then when I come home in the evening, I said, well, I'm going to pray. And I said, I'm going to watch the five o'clock news. When five o'clock news go off, I said, well, I'm going to watch, uh, I'm going to watch the evening news, the national news, and then six o'clock news. And it goes on and on. And sometimes I can get so busy and so distracted that I lose out on my relationship with God. You know what I decided to do this Lent? I've been giving up fried foods. I love some fried chicken. <laughs> I've been giving up sweets. But this time for Lent, 
I decided I was going to give up television so that I could spend time with God. I told my wife, and she said, she just looked at me and said, March Madness. <laughs> so I said, okay, I'll just give up the morning. <laughs> what I'm trying to say, there are events in life that calls for an extraordinary faith where we can see the Christ in Jesus to transform our lives. When we have to make a decision, as you will come this afternoon, where you have to make decisions about the life of your church, what you're going to look like, what you're going to be like, what your branding going to be, how you're going to change not only your, your church, but this community, this region, and yea, even the nation and the world. And I believe the people right here can impact it all. It's gonna be one of those epic moments when you have to make a decision not just about yourself, but what you're going to do in Jesus Christ. And if you don't have enough faith, if you don't have that supersized faith, you're still on good grounds. Because Jesus said, all you really need is a mustard seed. And if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say, mountain, be moved. And this mountain will be moved. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen.